Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. This episode is sponsored by Agenda 18. Learn more at agenda.com. You know, when you had written me about this uh, coming on the show, I thought the iPad audience needs to hear about this because it is a, an unusual app for the iPad, but it is actually quite iPad friendly. Welcome back to another episode of iPad Pros. I'm pleased to welcome back to the podcast David Sparks, also known as Mac Sparky. He is the co-host of the Mac Power Users podcast, Focused, and the Automators podcast. He was on episodes 99 and 126 of this podcast, if you want to check out those past episodes. And when he was last on, we spoke about Devin Think that he had just released a field guide all about. And, well, David's back at it with another new field guide, this time for Obsidian. Obsidian can be a scary app for some, and in this episode, I hope we can make it a bit more approachable by the end of our discussion, an app you want to try and see if it will work for you. If you want to support this podcast, the best thing to do is go out and download Agenda, who's sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. I'll be sharing a bit later in this episode more about Agenda, but for now, head on over to Agenda.com to learn more and get started with this awesome app that I've used for years at this point to produce the show. Another way to support this podcast and get early access to both iPad Pros and Vision Pros is by supporting the Patreon at patreon.com slash iPadPros or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. My great thanks to everyone that supports the show there. With that, here's my interview with David. Welcome back to the podcast, David. Thanks, Tim. I'm really happy to be here again. Yeah, uh, I always like to have you on as you do your field guys, these very... It seems like in depth. Like, how long do these things take you to do? It seems like an in depth, like uh, sabbatical, or not? You know, as a professor would go on. And, and it depends, you know, on the title. This Obsidian one took like eight months because it was really hard. Um, Obsidian is a hard tool to teach because it can do anything. So yeah. it's like, how do you tell somebody what to do with anything? And uh, so, it took a long time to get my head wrapped around uh, a methodology to teach it. Once I got that done, it went pretty well. But the uh, yeah, that one took a while. Uh, I think try I try to do two a year, but the last few years I've only got one out. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, I mean Obsidian, as we'll talk about, it, it is such an in-depth app, and uh, it can be scary to a lot of people, as we'll talk about. Um, yeah. So you were last on back 2021, uh, talking about Dev and Think, which is an app I go way back with. Back in college, it was like, kind of a go-to tool for me. I'm curious... Um, Obsidian, has it stolen some of the roles Devin Think used to have for you, or are these just different new roles altogether? I feel like Obsidian is very complementary to Devin Think um, uh, because, well, for two reasons. The first is they complement each other's um, shortcomings. Like Obsidian can do attachments and files, but it can't hold a candle to Devin Think. And DevonThink can do text, but it, it's just not as powerful as Obsidian with text. I mean, I mean, Obsidian's getting new plugins every day. I mean, it's the whole thing is built around Markdown text engine. So, like the thing that DevonThink is best at, it helps with the thing that Obsidian is worse at. So, I basically use DevonThink as the database, and I do manage the text in Obsidian. In fact, it's interesting. We did a special session as part of the field guide plus edition on using them together and several people index their whole obsidian database in DevonThink because why not, you know, because you could, it's just a folder full of markdown files. Why not uh, link it to DevonThink? So yeah, I, I actually find them very complimentary. In fact, that the release of those courses was intentional because I was already into obsidian at the time. And I realized that I think DevonThink is like the foundation and obsidian is the cherry on top. And, I'm trying to remember, DevonThink, does each, you can link to anything within DevonThink, is that right? Like it has, yeah, yeah. and then yeah, Obsidian has not their, just mm-hmm. Not just to documents, but to specific locations of documents. Like you could say PDF page three, and you could create a link to that. And Obsidian does the exact same thing. Right. You can create links back to Obsidian, um, very focused. Mm-hmm. So tying them together is a question of putting the links in the right places. Yeah, that's that's kind of a cool use case with using links, uh, which are ubic- you know, they're ubiquitous. Yeah. And I'd imagine those links work cross-platform, Mac and iOS, iPad? Yeah. Um, 
I believe so. Yeah, I haven't tried between Devonthink and Obsidian on iPad, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think they should work because they yeah. both are kind of universal. Yeah. Has your um, process evolved at all in creating natural field guides since tw- the Devonthink field guide? Did you do anything different this time around, or? Um, well, you know, we're in the process. I use Airtable as like the foundational database for these projects. And then, uh, I spend a lot of time using the tool to make the field guides, especially with Devon think and obsidian. Um, we're actually moving for future production into notion because it just feels like, um, it does a little bit more than Airtable, and I'm not sure what Airtable's future model is. And, you know, so I, so I, we moved a bunch of stuff into Notion. So the next field guide will be written with Notion as a background. But this one was done with Airtable and a lot of Obsidian notes and DevonThink resources, you know, kind of the usual yeah. thing I do. Okay, excellent. And then um, for those that haven't used Obsidian, they may have heard of it, um, can you share a bit about, you know, just kind of the 5,000-foot view of what, what this app is and what makes yeah. it different from the other apps out there. That That's the hard part, right? Um, so <laughs> yeah. it's, I guess we'd start by saying uh, it's an Electron app. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of universal. And the idea of it was um, you take a folder full of Markdown files, which are plain text files, and then you write an application that goes to that folder and looks at interesting ways to tie them together and connect them and do things with them. And that's what Obsidian is. And that really, it's it's so simple, but that's what makes it so powerful because any text files on your computer, you can throw into it. And then they made the plugin architecture an open architecture. So third parties can write applications for it. Like there's a plugin I use that um, changes straight quotes into smart quotes, you know, just does that for me or anything. And then of course the, the real magic of it is bi-directional linking. So using the standard wiki uh, convention of two open, two square brackets on either side, you can link to pages and, and elements inside the database. So you get this very cross hatched database of text. So you start writing your ideas and it. People use it for dissertations and uh, veterinary appointments and everything in between. It just, it's just a very powerful idea. And then the beauty of it is it's just a folder full of markdown files. So if, you know, Obsidian gets fired into the sun and doesn't exist anymore, your data is completely portable. It's completely owned by you. It's not stored in the cloud anywhere. Well, they, they do have a cloud sync, but it's end to end encrypted. You really have complete ownership of your data. And um, for the iPad folks, the, the nice thing is the iPad version is nearly 100% compatible with the with the Mac version. So all those plugins and all that stuff you can do on the Mac basically translates over to the iPad. So you get Obsidian on an iPad with a keyboard and you feel pretty much like you're working on a Mac. Yeah. Throw in an external display and you're able to spread out. Um, yeah. Do you know multi-window, what's the story there on iPad versus Mac. Is this an app you use in a single screen? Or are you spreading out across multiple well, screens? Well, it has the ability to create separate panes inside the single window, and you can multiply and divide on that up and down, like top and bottom, left and right, and, and within those segments even more. So uh, it also has a tabbing system, so you can have multiple tabs open for different documents, and it just depends what you want to do with them. The biggest challenge, of course, on the iPad is screen space, you know, if you've got a 12.9, you could probably get two or three windows at max. Um, but I wouldn't want to go much beyond that. But um, it's 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 an interesting app. I mean, it doesn't feel like an iPad app, if that makes any sense, because of its Electron roots. It's not like your typical iPad app. Um, it feels like the Electron app uh, rendered on an iPad, um, which some people hate. I think you have to try it to decide if that works for you or not. But but you know, the trade-off is all that power. And uh, mentioned plugins. You can install those directly on the iPad or yeah. in their... Yeah. In fact, mm-hmm. the syncing system will sync the installed plugins, oh, and nice. I find that the vast majority of them work. Occasionally, I'll run into a plugin that does not work on iPad. 
Um, but that, that's where I say there's a bit of a wiggle factor there. Some of them for one reason or another don't work on iPad, but the, um, and I think it may even be like a permissions thing with Apple, but the, um, but largely they work. And so the installation you create on your desktop can run on your, your mobile iPad pretty, pretty well. I, I, I would say, and I get pushback on this from the Obsidian audience, but I feel like the the iPhone experience is is subpar. I mean, I, I feel like the iPad is fine. You got a keyboard attached. It really feels like you're sitting on a laptop. In fact, more than most apps do. Like you know, working mobily with an iPad. I do a lot of writing mobile and and opening Obsidian in a coffee shop or Disneyland or whatever with a keyboard. Feels like I'm sitting on my Mac. But the the iPhone, the screen size is just so small. You know, it's really hard to make that work on an app that's really, you know, it, it's more of a translation of the electron app than it is a native iPhone app. So I'm not, if you were going to use it just on an iPhone, I'd say maybe look elsewhere, but for, uh, for iPad stuff, you're fine. Yeah. It seems like iPhone may be good for reference. Here we'll just pull up a document, just yeah. check stuff. Yeah. And that's what people do with it. Like you yeah. create views that show you your task list or what, or your, current document or whatever. And that's great for that. But to work on a document, I would, I would say the iPad's probably the minimum starting place. Yeah. So, um, I asked Matt Birchler, uh, as, uh, what I, what I should ask you since, uh, we were chatting about Obsidian and he was wondering just, is it the speed, the fact that all the local files are right there? Um, that if the, you know, if the company goes, but you have it, uh, the plugins, what about it, uh, makes this app really connect with you? The answer to, to Matt is yes. <laughs> Everything. I mean, you know, it's really yeah. a combination. I, I, if I, you know, you put together I, the data ownership is a big deal. Like I was interested in Rome research when that first kind of hit the wire, but I never liked that model of me putting all this data into their cloud and not knowing who else is looking at it. And Were you also if, probably burned by the Evernote era and the struggles of trying to get everything out of that when that kind of crashed? E- you know, I never liked Evernote. This is my dirty secret. <laughs> you had the foresight. From the, <laughs> from the very beginning, it, it, well, there was two problems with it. First of all, I thought it was butt ugly. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and then the second of all was everybody knew that used Evernote was putting tons of stuff in Evernote, but nobody was using Evernote. You know what I mean? It, it yeah. just became this like closet that you kept stuffing things. Into. Yeah. I remember taking a ton of photos and using the OCR. Cause in those days that was like a, yeah. a, a new thing. And I, I did yeah. search stuff within that, but yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't really have, and then at one point on Mac power users, we had like a, we had an Evernote account we shared. So if you sent an email to a special email address, it went into our Oh, yeah. And you had the shared notebooks and stuff. Yeah, we did that for a while, but it just didn't, you know, yeah. I just never was sold on it. So I didn't have a problem when they went out. But, the, uh, but you know, the question I, I get asked often is, well, is Obsidian a landing place if you're leaving Evernote? I, I think it can be. Um, but I also think Apple Notes would be really good for that. I think in fact, Apple Notes is probably a better fit because it's better with multimedia than Obsidian is. But if you're working with words, there's not much better than Obsidian, in my opinion. It's just so good uh, for that kind of thing. And honestly, if you had that closet full of data in Evernote, I don't think you should move it somewhere else. I think you should just throw it overboard and start over. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's just so much, you know, yeah, I use yeah, I the really, um, I use the Mac Devon Think Importer to just like capture yeah. it and put it in a, a separate yeah. Evernote database within Devon Think is where mine ended up. Yeah, I, I've uh, I've been talking a lot lately about Gall's Law, the idea that you know systems need to earn their structure, and that like too often as nerds will go into something like Evernote Obsidian whatever and say, well, I'm going to build out a whole structure for this thing. And then you spend days on the right, you know, structure. And then you find you don't even like the tool a week later or something. I think you really should just kind of go slow with it. And, and, uh, Evernote was great for throwing things into that. We never read. Yeah. And, uh, no, it's funny. Like the this. whole concept of like, 
the time investment and like I used to have a big delicious library and I did scan all my DVDs and put them in there and like yeah I love that but like it's just it's time that just you know now it's like I'm never gonna use that now that's like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah all the time you put into it is kind of like down the toilet yeah, yeah. and it's like almost like can... it's like oh this is fun like gathering all this data but in the end it's like is it really fun is it just like, yeah yeah. So be careful with that, but I mean, Obsidian to me is is really the premier tool for working with words. I mean, one of my big uses for it, and it's interesting because there's two versions of the course. There's the basic version at fifty dollars, and the advanced version at hundred. The hundred dollar version comes with a ten series webinar series, so I'm learning tons from people using it, and people are, like I said, writing dissertations and they're changing the world with the stuff they're assembling and creating with Obsidian. My big use is what I call my personal operating system, where I found that uh, writing down how I think about things gets me to a level of understanding about how I think about things that I didn't have otherwise. We all have thoughts in our mind, and whether it be about um, whether we should use Devonthink or Obsidian or Aristotle's def- definition of virtue, we all have like some idea of what that is. But when you reduce it to a writing, it really forces you to understand it better. So I've been doing that for years. I call it my Sparky OS. It's my little operating system. And I, and I, I, it gives me a structure to hang big decisions on. And not a lot of people are interested in using it for that. But for me, Obsidian is like killer at that. It's just so good. There's nothing that can touch it. And, and that, I think that's the thing with Obsidian is you should get to know it a little bit and decide what it becomes for you. I've seen people that use it as a um, as a daily log journaling system. I've seen people that have client businesses that use it for that because you can link every transaction with a client using that linking system to the daily notes. So you can go back and see exactly what day you dealt with client X, Y, and Z. And then everything is encrypted so you've got no problem syncing it across you know, the wire, because it's your it's your password that they don't know. That's assuming you use um, the Obsidian sync system. And so it's just, you know, so the, for those people, it's a client management system. Like I said, for other people, they write their PhD thesis. For other people, it's what they call personal knowledge management, you know, which is, you know, the most abused word on the internet right now, <laughs> Yeah, right behind the word Zen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but the... Uh, um, but yeah, it's a, it, it can be a PKM. If you want to manage your life through it, it can do that too. Cause the linking just makes it so easy to navigate and jump around that kind of brain dumping as you're thinking through things, d- does some of that end up in OmniFocus? Like you either copy that out or link to it from into OmniFocus. Yeah. They have a very thorough task system in Obsidian. It's through a third party plugin. And I covered that in the course and I decided, well, I'm going to use it for a month just to see if I could just run my tasks out of it. Cause that's, that's the other thing with obsidian is like, it can become what you want. It, it's not good as good as OmniFocus. I mean, I, I don't, you know, and, and it's just cause OmniFocus is made for that task. So yeah, um, you have to watch app to remind you different things and like, yeah. yeah. So like an example would be, I will have a project in obsidian that I'm working on. Um, uh, and that project has a kind of like a, canonical page or canonical document in obsidian where that's the source of truth i guess i'd say and out of that there'll be a hyperlink to a omnifocus project and a hyperlink to a notion page and maybe links to emails that relate to it and like all sorts of things coming in and out of it um i've always i've talked a lot about the idea of contextual computing and what i mean by that is the idea of using a computer in a way where it just serves your needs. It does exactly what you need it to. And um, uh, Obsidian can become a really good, like, source of truth. And, like, it can link to a DevonThink folder. It can link to an OmniFocus project. And then you can have links in those apps going back to that page. So with a little bit of, um, you know, thought, you can have a way to jump into a project and stay inside that project and not leave that project for hours, just using those links to jump around. And you're getting a best in class experience on each application or or project you use. Um, So that that's kind of the way I use it. But like I said, doing these webinars, I'm just learning some people are using it for all sorts of things. It's it's very interesting. Yeah. I think the the scary part of obsidian is, um, it isn't a big like here attachments and stuff that Devin thing does. It's 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 text, yeah. which, which words 
can be scary. Like it's just slow. It's like the the it's like going into space. It's just black emptiness. It's like what do you put there in the text? It is, but it really isn't because everything yeah. links and right. you can tie it together very quickly. And like like um, I find like my thoughts on one topic can lead into another one, and they link and they have like a graph where you can kind of chase your thoughts around and see how you got from point A to point B, and um, and it's all Markdown. So if you understand Markdown, it's very easy to format it on the fly. And the creating links is a simple process of typing, typing two open square brackets and then the obsidian indexes everything. So it auto fills for you while you do it. So I don't know. I, I find it so nimble. Like I've tried to do stuff like this in Apple notes and, and Devin think and, you know, pick your poison yeah. app and just none of them make it as easy, you know? So that's why it, it got really sticky for me. As far as hierarchies and folders and stuff, um, what's kind of the organizational mindset with Obsidian? It's kind of a web of interconnects and like... Yeah, it, it really is. <laughs> it's funny because I use more hierarchy than most people. And yeah. it may be because I grew up using folders. I'm very comfortable with them. But my personal hierarchy is shallow folders with text. And Obsidian has this thing called properties, which is a fairly recent addition, but you can categorize your notes by like what area of your life they fit in or whether they're, what their status is, are they active or done? So then you can index on that and like get very quickly a hot list of things that are active and relate to your role as a father or whatever. And um, so so I, I kind of lost the third. So you don't need a lot of hierarchy if you can use those things. But I do like rough folders just because, I don't know, Just it's that belt and suspenders part of you. And and when you look into the Obsidian database, which is a folder that has a bunch of markdown subfolders in it, um, you can see where things are generally. Yeah, to make um, it easier to work with the local files if you need to on your yeah, or, Yeah, uh, and that's the other weird right thing. Then. It's like yeah. you can you can fiddle around in the database from a third party app. Like you could use something like Hazel to move stuff around and Obsidian's just going to follow whatever your lead is. I, I kind of lost the thread earlier when I was talking about Devon think, but like one of the things that's interesting to me is Devon think deals with metadata outside of the source file. So metadata has a little like data file on each thing you make. So tags and things you create are all stored there, which makes Devonthink great because you can export the file and you, you lose that metadata, but the file remains intact. Whereas in Obsidian, the metadata is embedded in the markdown file. Like the little double brackets is in essence metadata and the, um, the properties are YAML data, you know, which is uh, like a header at the top of the file. And they don't step on each other. So, like, you can do anything you want with metadata in Obsidian, and it won't mess up DevonThink and vice versa. But and and that kind of does the same thing with that folder full of Markdown files. So, if I wanted to have Hazel say, "Well, look at the f- files," and if one is marked archive, take the Markdown file and move it to an archive folder outside of the Obsidian database. And Obsidian doesn't complain. It just says, oh, that file's not here anymore, so I'm not going to show it to you. You know, and you've now archived it, you know. And um, it's just, it kind of is mind-bending that you can do that to data, right? Like, you look at an app like Apple Notes, which is a great app, but that's a very much a proprietary database. If you go in there and change a one to a zero anywhere, the whole thing could blow up on you. And mm-hmm. that's just not going to happen with Obsidian. Yeah, I could see people, I believe Ulysses allows you to edit external files. Like if you prefer Ulysses to do some kind of writing thing within yeah. Obsidian, you could probably do that. Yeah. As far as the business model, it seems like the free version has quite a lot of stuff. What's kind of the limitations and where, where do you run into the, the roadblocks? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't have any inside knowledge, but it started out as a, as a free for personal use app. If you're a business user, it's I think $50 a year or something like that. And then they, they've also monetized features, which is an interesting model. Like I pay, some yearly sum for the sync system. Like you could sync these files on iCloud or Dropbox, although people have mixed levels of success with that for various okay. reasons. But or you could just pay them the annual fee and let them sync it. And the beauty of that is 
their sync is end-to-end encrypted and the whole system built around it. So it always, it's just the best way to go. It's going to cost you a few bucks. And I figure, why not? I'm not paying for the app. And then they also have a thing they call publish. And like I have a published vault as part of this course and I pay for that as well. So they put it on a website and people go to a special link and then they can see it. Um, so they've got like multiple methods of monetization. I do know that the team has grown recently and it's the, the app has really got legs over the last few years. So I don't think it's going anywhere. It's a small development team. Um, it doesn't appear to be one of these companies that took a bunch of seed money. So now they've got to like race against the, you know, investors. Um, it, but I have no personal knowledge of that, but it just, that's from the outside. That's what it looks like to me is that they're running it on a, Hey, let's make money on this thing model instead of let's build it huge and then sell it thing. And, uh, and that's the kind of apps I prefer, you know, uh, and the team is responsive and the community is responsive. And, um, I don't know. I, I you know, when you had written me about this, uh, coming on the show, I thought the iPad audience needs to hear about this because it is a, an unusual app for the iPad, but mm-hmm. it is actually quite iPad friendly. Yeah. And it's, as you said, it seems like pretty much everything's there. And I, I do like the, um, you know, you hit command comma, just like on the Mac and the iPad, it'll open up all the little preferences you can, you can tweak, uh, right there. Um, yeah. do those sync to the, to Mac? Like if you set up, if you have a Mac and an iPad, like those preferences, or is it kind of, yeah, they come over. Yeah, even the you know, like one of the things about Obsidian that's kind of fun because it's this odd Electron app. It has an HTML user interface configuration, so people who can program the web can develop their own UI for it. So color schemes, fonts, margins, like all the usual suspects. And there's this open database of like two or three hundred different looks for the app. And you just go under the appearance tab in the settings and they take you to a website and, you know, there's one there for Christmas. Like if you oh, can imagine, <laughs> yeah, I, not that I would recommend it, but, but they've got it, you know, they've got everything from very subtle to like eighties neon. Can we get like an iOS six uh, theme? <laughs> uh, that would be kind of fun. I don't know. There, there is a things theme, which is pretty funny, oh, which cool. is very popular yeah. where they basically just took the look of things and they applied it, <laughs> uh, to, to, yeah. to obsidian and everybody. So whenever you see a different person's obsidian database, they all look a little different because people have different preferences, you know? Yeah. Uh, as far as keyboard shortcuts, is that something you use quite a bit of? Yeah. It's massively programmable. I mean, any command in it, you can set your own keyboard shortcut and they sync over to iPad too. So that's awesome. It's like, like for instance, uh, um, was it control U is the URL one, which where I copy a URL to an obsidian note. That's the one I programmed. Yeah. And I'm constantly using it. Then I can go over and dump into Devon think or whatever. And, and it gets me like, you know, that like every new OmniFocus project uh, related to a project that's tracked in Obsidian gets that link in the OmniFocus comment area. And then I get a corresponding link back to the OmniFocus project in Obsidian. And then it's, it's magical. Yeah. That's awesome. For linking to different, um, I guess, uh, files, do you have to know the name, uh, you have to name each file or how's the actual linking process work? You mentioned the double brackets, but yeah, it's just you hit two open square brackets and type start typing the name of it and it it autofills. So Okay. Like if you've got um you know if you've got one on um Devon think tips and if I just type like DE it's going to mm-hmm. autofill that for me. Okay. Nice. And um, you can have different like libraries and it seems like a yeah. limitless, uh, unlimited amount. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, it's just, they're all separate folders full of markdown files, but they call it vaults, vaults is their yeah. term for it. But yeah. So like, um, there are some people that have like separate personal and work vaults. Um, the benefit of the app really is in the more notes you have combined a lot of times the better but like if you're doing a very specialized project like if you're an academic and you're doing something very specialized you want all the research and everything Mm -hmm. in there you can you can make custom vaults for each 
thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I almost want to go to – I wish I was, like, younger and could go to college again and, like, use all these tools because it would just be such a different yeah. experience. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but then you think about going to college again and you're like, oh, oh that's yeah. okay. That's okay. <laughs> Maybe for a couple days for fun, but yeah. This episode is sponsored by Agenda. In this quick break, I want to share just a little bit about Agenda if you haven't used it. Agenda, if you haven't tried it out, is a great note-taking app that really thoughtfully integrates your calendar and reminders into your notes. If you have a meeting coming up, you can use an agenda note to prepare for that meeting and have all the information related to that meeting on hand. Do multi-page scans right in agenda, capture the whiteboard with your camera, sketch things out with your Apple Pencil, and even link to other agenda notes to have those on hand. You can even collaborate with your coworkers to have a single shared note for that meeting. Your notes, unlike a task manager, have a few different states that is all conveyed through a single radio button. Filled in yellow indicates your task is on the agenda, or is top of mind and shown in a special on the agenda view, letting you view everything important in your life from all your different projects all in one place. A simple tap on the radio button lets you take it off the agenda or mark it as done if it is a note that has a completion state you want to indicate. There's also a wonderful timeline view that lets you view your calendar, Easily link to agenda notes to calendar events, create a brand new agenda note that you want to associate with a certain event, add a reminder to the Reminders app, and you can even quickly reschedule calendar events or reminders. If you ever tried using a task manager to take notes and were frustrated by that experience, give Agenda a try. It's the note-taking app that actually helps you stay on track with your work and personal projects. As you'll hear David share in this episode, it's important to pick an app that is loved by the developers and is getting constantly worked on and improved. There's nothing more frustrating than to invest your time in an app for that app to no longer get updates. Agenda is a prime example of an app that is constantly being improved and worked on by the developers. Agenda launched in May of 2018, and now five years later, is now at version 18, with some exciting features in the test flight getting ready for yet another release. The developers you can tell are also users of their app, and the improvements being made are things actual users like myself want and need. If you haven't tried Agenda, I'd really encourage you to give it a try. Agenda is free to download and use with no obtrusive ads. To unlock the full power of Agenda, give Agenda Premium a shot. One thing that Agenda continues to do that I love is their approach to the premium features and unlocks. If you ever decide to cancel your Agenda premium subscription, you get to keep all of the premium features available when you were a subscriber. Or you can opt for their lifetime unlock, which will unlock the full power of Agenda on all your Apple devices with a single one-time purchase. To learn more, go to Agenda.com. Download Agenda 18 today for free from the App Store. My thanks again to Agenda for sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. Learn more at www.agenda.com. Like bookmarking and pins, are these something you ever use? Or they- yeah, they they have they started out with a system called Stars, then they converted to bookmarks. Bookmarks are a little more powerful. I don't use them that often, honestly. The um, I know my way around my vault enough. Um, Command O is the search term for a note title. Okay. Yeah. So I hit command O and a couple letters and I'm off to the races. It's, it's, um, I don't use the mouse much. You know what I mean? It's just very fast to hit command O and because, you know, because these are skinny vaults, there's not a lot of heavy data and it's mainly mm-hmm. text. They are very nimble. Gotcha. Yeah. The commando is so nice. Uh, agenda added that to a couple months back and just, yeah. just, you're just with the keyboard. Just that like, seems to have become like the standard, right? Yeah for all yeah. the, the power apps or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It reminds me of like the quick silver days when I was using that on the Mac. <laughs> uh, those were good days. Yeah. Good days. <laughs> Is that app still around? Not even. I saw it was like a year ago, yeah. but you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's a, I, yeah. Like I don't know what they're doing with it. And, <laughs> Do you, did you ever use the cube interface for Quicksilver? Yes, yeah. It was so great. It was. I don't know why, like Alfred and Raycast and these guys don't copy that. It was so fun. Yeah, the the era yeah. when I got into the back was like the Intel transition, and that's just a fun era of just delightful design. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you mentioned plugins earlier. I, I know Federico's like hired developers t- to like customize yeah. the app for him. Um, you mentioned some of the plugins earlier, um, like. What are what are some others that are worth pointing out? Um, the 
well, it depends what you want to do with it. Uh, like if you want to manage tasks, there's a to do plugin that's very good or tasks plugin. I'm sorry. Um, the, I think if there's one you should really try, it's called data view and it's a, it's a, a way to index and find notes based on those property data. So it's very, very powerful. And like it, it kind of gives you a next level way to index and access your vault. Um, so that's a really good one. Um, I mean, there, I went through like 10 of them in the course and then in the plus course, we went through like another 10. Um, it, they really range. I mean, from things like, Oh, just take this markdown list and turn it into a mind map or, you know, whatever it is you want to do. Somebody's probably written a plugin for it. It's, it is a super active community writing these plugins. And some of the best ones just do like one little thing. Uh, and some of the, the others are, it seems like they're applications in themselves. As far as mind maps, do you, do you still use mind, mind nodes at all? Yeah. Mind nodes remains my mind mapping tool. In fact, Mm -hmm. you know, obsidian is an interesting app because you get into it and you think, well, I'm going to do everything in obsidian, you know? And because, I think that's a very tempting proposition as you start getting can, into it deeper. But it's not specialized, the, but you can. Yeah, but you can. But you get that benefit of everything is connected. Right. Um, I feel like for me personally, I went through that. I'm like, oh, maybe I could do journaling here or whatever. And then eventually I realized, no, you know what? Day one is really good at journaling. OmniFocus is really good at task management. And it's like I kind of pulled back a little bit. And um and I think that's a very common experience, but yeah. you kind of have to get into it and kind of go on that little journey to figure out where you, where you end up. Yeah. And I discovered, um, that there are these core plugins. These are first party plugins. Yeah. And, um, there's like this daily note concept you mentioned journaling. Um, yeah. So this is like a built in kind of tool that people use for that. But you know, like you could use that in two different ways. Like you could use it as a daily journaling tool. Mm-hmm. And that's great. It's end to end encrypted. You're all good. Uh, but like I said, I think day one is better yeah. for that. So I like getting my photos and like it just, it does a better job because it's built for it. But if you're working on projects and you want to track progress on projects, the daily notes a great way to link to a project and say, Hey, on this day at 11, I spent two hours you know, researching this thing or talking to Mike about this thing, you know, and like a journal for a work project kind of. Yeah. And then because the backlinks work, you could go to the page for the project and it would have backlinks to every day that you worked on it. So you've got a really easy way to kind of keep track of that stuff. People who build by the hour love it for that kind of um, insight, you know? Yeah. And have you built any templates for the kind of projects you work on? I have built so many templates because <laughs> they they have a built-in template system. So you can template notes. Like if we have an episode of a podcast, I have a template and it's got links back to, you know, all the pages that I need, not only in Obsidian, but outside the internet and in OmniFocus and wherever else I need to go. And it's just kind of like a system. And so you build a template, you activate the template again, because you can easily add keyboard shortcuts. I have a simple keyboard shortcut to activate it, pick the template, make the note, and off I go. So project creation is super easy. Um, yeah. The answer is yes. Okay. I, I've never <laughs> built a third-party plugin. I don't want to – you know, I could probably cobble one together, but the fact is there are people that are better at that, making really good ones. And if you go into the Obsidian forum and say, gee, I really wish there was a plugin that did this thing, and then like two weeks later it shows up. So. Yeah. It's not that hard. <laughs> right. <laughs> As um you mentioned podcasts like notes and stuff, is are any of your podcasts do you do show prep in here? I'd imagine there's is there a way to share that with the co hosts? No. No, that's the not collaboration story is 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 abysmal. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just there isn't one. I mean, yeah. I think they're working on one, but um it really is a solo tool. I mean okay. And you know, multiple people working in the markdown file at the same time could lead to all sorts yeah. of chaos. I know some people have tried like to store it on Dropbox and give other people access at the same time and and I, I guess it could work, but I I think it's probably not recommended and not the best of ideas. Like so what I do for podcasts is the actual show document, 
um, is either a Notion page or a Google document. And then everybody can go in there and access it. And then in my notes, the stuff that I am doing personally on it that I don't necessarily want to share with everybody is in Obsidian. And then there's just a URL link so I can jump between them. And, and I, I do put Obsidian links in public documents and it's fun because other people click them and nothing happens. But it, for me, on my on my system, it goes to Obsidian because that's a link that I generated. Yeah, because okay. everything is mm-hmm. stored locally. Yeah, the the data model for me is very attractive, and maybe I'm just a privacy nerd, but I, I really like the idea of completely controlling uh, some of the most important data in my life. You know? Yeah. No, and you can back that up in all sorts of different ways, and yeah. The the iPad version we've spoken a little bit about being pretty much feature complete. Um, any any other quirks or things of note that you just point out? Well, it just doesn't feel like an iPad app. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about it, try it. Just download the app, and it it almost it would probably encourage you to not do it not do obsidian because you'd be like, I'm used to an iPad app that looks, you know, more warm and fuzzy than this. This feels, you know, this doesn't feel like a normal iPad app, but I think it's, it's once you get used to the kind of the obsidian system that you're willing to put up with those limitations. So in one sense, it's a super powerful iPad app because it does pretty much everything. The Mac app does In the other sense it doesn't feel warm and fuzzy like a normal iPad app. And and I think that is a, a weird kind of course to navigate as a user. Like yeah. I know people mm-hmm. who've tried it and said, I just can't do it. I don't like the way it looks. So, and that's fine. But, you know, and, and there are other apps out there with backlinks and things kind of progressing, but I just haven't seen any with the, the power and the third party buy-in that this one does. Yeah, in the music notation realm, it reminds me of uh, Sibelius on the iPad, which is very iPad native. I've had first, uh, doesn't have all yeah. the features. And then you have Dorico, which is flat out just the Mac app with all the features, but it's got some rough edges because of it yeah. having all the features. So <laughs> yeah. I prefer Dorico because yeah. I can do everything I need to with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, even like you use Agenda, right? And Agenda yeah. has a lot of those features. You it could does. do a lot of this with Agenda. It's just not as powerful. Yeah, Agenda has the the linking different notes, and it it, it has collaboration. So it has one, that one yeah. thing over a, um, a city, yeah. at least. Yeah, um, and in in the I really like the relevant like links within Agenda. It'll like kind of remember stuff. Does Obsidian have any smarts to it? Out, like outside of what you're telling it? Uh, yeah, I mean it. It's always like you can. It searches based on what you're working on and makes suggested links and things like that, I guess. And then also the graph system also surfaces knowledge you may. It, I, I have found that it gives me insight sometimes having all this stuff linked together that I wouldn't have had otherwise. But it, it takes a little commitment before you get to that. Yeah. And, and this is graph view. This is kind of like... I don't know. It, I see pictures of it. It's just kind of wild. It's showing the inner. Okay. Let me tell you about the graph. Yeah, Cause yeah, like yeah, everybody shows the, they show the big graph Yeah, and they're like, Oh, look at this. And it's like, it looks like a planet or something. <laughs> yeah. And it's like completely useless. The actual graphs that are useful are local graphs. When you're in a note, say, show me a graph of how everything links to this note. And that actually gives you insight. But the, the global show me everything graph you it's I guess it's bragging rights for yeah. nerds, but it's I mean not it could be a really pretty um you, you save it as like a, a lock screen. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. So so you can zoom in from that to the note you're working on, then you can kind of zoom out well, from there. Yeah, while you're in the note you're working on, you can just have it display the local graph, which is showing everything this note is connected to and everything connected to this note useful yeah um the the global one in my opinion i'm sure there are people who find ways to use it but i i don't find it i mean you can the graph tool is very powerful you can say only show me notes with this tag on it or with this property i mean they they've got many ways to slice and dice it but the global graph view while it looks interesting it's not that useful in my opinion yeah can you color code notes so that that globe would have different colors of different notes yeah depending on what your appearance um, you load and there's different schemes for it yeah yeah um 
do you have hopes for Obsidian on Vision OS? Will this just be kind of like the Electron app? Uh, good question. Um, probably not. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, it, the idea of Electron is it goes anywhere. I mean, they got it on iPad, so maybe they've got a plan. I yeah. don't know. That's a good question. I mean, it'd be fun going in that graph, <laughs> graph and vision. Yeah, like quest. going through the universe. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> really feel like you're in the mind palace, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, as far as automation, um, is this more on the Mac side of things, or is there more? Is there shortcuts integration, or do you need to use things like Hazel to kind of like... You know, the automation is actually a pretty good story on this app, because okay. they're text files, and you can automate text files, and you can do almost anything you want with them. Like and even, even with if, shortcuts, yeah, you don't even need Obsidian shortcuts because you're just working with text, which yeah, there's exactly. all sorts of shortcuts for. Them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, and the way it works with the Vault, I mean, with the Sync, if you're using it on an iPad and you're using Obsidian Sync, you actually store the Vault in your local iPad storage, which almost nobody does anything in that storage, right? You've almost always got it in iCloud or like some cloud storage, but there is local storage on your iPad. So you save the vault to your local storage on iPad, then make that the source of the sync backup to their vault. And that way it doesn't go to iCloud so that you're, you've kept it secret. It remains encrypted. Um, and that's totally accessible by shortcuts. So you could go into shortcuts and change words in it. You could add notes, delete notes, um, move notes. You can do anything that you can with a file or, or text management, you can append a text file. I mean, I think I really, there's almost nothing you can't do with shortcuts automation on text files. So yeah, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. If you throw an image into the files app in your Obsidian database, what, what does that do when you open Obsidian? Uh, it, Obsidian indexes it. Okay. And, and it just keeps it there. So, and you can reference it with a markdown link. So, okay. um, you know, I've been getting blowback from people because doing talking about the field guide. I tell people like, I, I prefer probably Devin think for heavy file stuff, but there's a lot of people that throw everything in their obsidian vault, Microsoft word documents, images, whatever. And then they can access it and link it in obsidian. I just feel like I like the idea of this pristine text depository and, uh, so I don't put a lot of files in there. You can also manage with the way those files are managed. Um, I prefer, there's a setting to say, anytime I add a, a file attachment to a document in Obsidian, create a subfolder right in the um, in the database right there and keep them together so I can find them later. And uh, But some people just kind of throw them all into the main directory or, or mm-hmm. some big multimedia folder. Yeah. Um. As far as um, you mentioned, you can do almost anything with this uh, through shortcuts and uh, just working with text. Have you seen people use like the action button to like turn a dictation into text? That's like in an inbox or Obsidian kind of thing. Is that something? Yeah, sure. I mean, you could do that. Um, I think a lot of people, myself included, often use drafts Mm -hmm. for capture. Yeah, I think drafts is a better capture tool than Obsidian. But drafts works with Obsidian, so you can push a button in drafts and dump it the file into your Obsidian file location. It's pretty seamless. Um, but I actually prefer drafts for like if I want to capture text off an action button. That's where I would recommend you go. Gotcha. Do you use any kind of inbox with Obsidian, or is it kind of s- yeah, organized do. from the get go? I have a f- folder called inbox, okay. and I put stuff in yeah. there and. I, I'm really stingy about my Obsidian database. I don't like to put everything in there. So, like, sometimes stuff goes into the inbox, and I look at it later. I'm like, oh, that was a dumb idea. <laughs> I'll just delete it. You know, yeah. I kind of I want Obsidian to be good information that I can rely on. I feel like one of the mistakes people make is they Evernote it. They throw everything in the kitchen sink in, and they've got all these links, and everything's messy, and they don't actually get the benefit of it. I think there is... Um, you can overdo links and you can overdo imports into the apps like that. One of the things they just did recently that I should point out is they they built the developers built a Apple Notes import tool, and because you know Apple Notes has that um, has that proprietary database, it's actually hard to get notes out. It's um, I it's almost a roach hotel. It's not as bad as Evernote, but it, it's not great. Um, and the um, but they built a tool in Obsidian that goes through and parses pulls out your rich text notes, converts them to Markdown, and takes all your attachments and imports it into your Obsidian Vault into a special folder called Apple Notes. So if you want to play with it and you've got an Apple Notes database, 
just go into the community to the plugins and download the the note the importer plugin which is made by the developer and and just import your apple notes and, and just you've got a starting point that's really cool is that um i can't imagine that works on ipad does it i have not tried it okay so i don't know I did it on a Mac. Yeah, so I don't yeah. Know. yeah. Um, you may have to get your uh, MacBook Air out of mothballs too. Yeah, yeah. My uh, t- twenty. Le- it's twelve years old now. That that, that yeah. old faithful. Still uh, going, laptop. right? Still going strong. Yeah, it's my iTunes Match uh, uploader. <laughs> yeah, I'll get on my uh, external super drive, plug it in, and rip some uh, limited edition soundtracks, which I can't get elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Um, Outside of pure text documents, there's these canvases. Do you use these, and you know, what are these for? Canvases is a f- is a feature where it kind of has like a you can make a graphic diagram. It's okay. like a diagramming tool in Obsidian. Kind of like freeform, or yeah, but less, not less, as good not probably. As good. And but yeah. but the beauty of it is that it ties to Obsidian Notes. So like if you wanted to put together like a overview of all your active obligations and link them to the notes that relate to those obligations. I mean, the more buy-in you have the city and the more useful those features. Become. Yeah. Cause you could highlight this. Can you deal with shapes? Can you link a shape? So I like highlight this square and link that to a note kind of thing. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Everything is linked and then yeah. you could link back to it. So it's, it's a very uh, kind of nimble thought environment and uh, canvas is, if you think visually like me, mm-hmm. that can be of use. Very cool. And then, um, is this a tool? Should authors stick with Scrivener, or could you do a, a book in an EPUB export through? Obsidian? Yeah, you could, you could absolutely write a book in it. And yeah, people do. I mean, it's I mean, it's 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 very uh, light footed text editor, but but you can get plugins to do a bunch of stuff to the text for you and format it, and like there's a lot you can do with tools. And if you want to turn it into typewriter mode or no distraction mode. There's plugins for that too. So you can create whatever writing environment you want, but you know, you're writing in a simple text editor. So there's not a lot of distractions. And, um, yeah, I've written many blog posts and extended things, uh, legal contracts, <laughs> whatever. I've, I've written a lot of stuff in obsidian over the years. Yeah. I'd imagine you could, yeah, have a special, you know, character like profiles and all yeah. sorts of stuff if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, and it's all linked together, which is kind of, so it's super easy and you can set up multiple panes. I mean, Scrivener is a dedicated tool for that. Maybe it's better. I don't know, uh, but it, it's, this is an environment in which you could do that sort of work. Yeah. Do you have a way to export directly to your blog from uh, this or are you copy and pasting? I just, cause it's Markdown. I'm, yeah. I, I'm good. I Markdown is kind of the lingua franca for me. So, so long as it's Markdown, I can put it anywhere. Yeah, but you I, can also, um, they have two modes. You have like the edit and the preview mode. In the preview mode, you can copy out as rich text if that's what you need. Okay, nice. Yeah. So this has become definitely one of your core apps. Uh, what yeah. Are, like, what are, is that, like, what are your core apps these days? Obsidian? That's OmniFocus. a great question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm always like looking at things. I yeah. actually have recently started making a document called my tech stack because I need to document my experiments and make sure I don't waste too much time on it. Um, Obsidian is where I do thinking. Apple Notes is where I keep PKM type information, like, you know, the veterinary appointments and stuff like that. I don't want to kind of clutter my Obsidian database with stuff like that. Um, OmniFocus is where I manage tasks, but because I've got a team member and a few other people helping me, we're doing some stuff in Notion now because they have to be able to see it too. Oh, so right, yeah. there's a little bit of bleed over. Some projects are managed in Obsidian and I'm sorry, and OmniFocus. And some of them are managed in Notion. It just depends mm-hmm. on the project, which isn't ideal to have. Yeah, it in the web places. version of OmniFocus doesn't solve any. That's still a personal kind of use. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is not ideal. I mean, they've talked about collaboration too. I'm not even sure I want collaboration in OmniFocus. I kind of like having. Like Obsidian and OmniFocus to me are very personal buckets, and I, I'm not sure even if I could share it that I would. Um, but you know, um, but even like there's there's spillover. Like Obsidian Field Guide, I've got I'm doing these webinars for the Plus versions, and all of that is tracked in Obsidian. But then when I have a guest in, I just 
put the mark down into an Apple note and share the note with the person who's the guest. So they have the links to the zoom call and things like that. So uh, there's a little bit of flexibility in the system for me, but, and then the calendar, which is a key component for me is fantastic. Hell um, mail. I, I've tried everything and I keep coming back to Apple mail. But, it's a sad know, state with it. Just, nothing really is. Yeah. But you know, with, uh, I, I have what I call Apple mail with a same box chaser, you know, and, uh, uh, same box is a, been a sponsor of the podcast. So I should say that, but they've got a system like in there where you can go in and block domains and they, they, there's a lot of cool tools in same box that allow you to make Apple mail work harder for you. So, I do that. Um, but yeah, I, I am struggling right now to like kind of nail down where all the lines are drawn. Cause there are some great tools and we're going through this revolution of PKM and linked notes where there's a, it seems like there's a new tool every week, but my feeling on that is, you know, I wouldn't spend a lot of time in whatever the latest one this week is. I think you need to kind of let them mature and make sure it's a an app that's gonna that's got legs and is gonna be around for a while because it's a massive investment of your time to to put stuff into these things. And if if they you know they say, well, you know, we didn't get enough um we didn't we didn't get enough users to do a capital raise, so we're shutting it down. And that's happened to some of these tools already and I am, um, I'm not a big fan of that. So, so, um, yeah, I, I think for me, the, the key tools for notes are obsidian and Apple notes at this point, but then I see you in agenda and I'm like tempted. I'm like, huh, I should be looking at agenda. Yeah. No, I, I love agenda. It's, it's very, uh, Apple-y like it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they take advantage of all the, the things when in creating this field guide, did you learn anything new about obsidian that you're now implementing and how you use the app? Not particularly. I've been using Obsidian since very early days because I immediately understood the value of a local database. And, you know, everybody was talking about Rome three or four years ago, Rome Research. And and I could not – I even wrote the, like, head guy at one point. He wrote me back. I said, well, what's your plan for end-to-end encryption? And they're like, well, we don't really know. And I'm like, I, I just uh, don't – you know, yeah. so – so as soon as I saw Obsidian show up, I tried it out immediately. Um, and initially, it wasn't mature enough, but it, very quickly, and that's a weird thing with this app is it, is it is evolving so quickly. But very quickly, it got to a point where I could use it. And so I've I've been using it for three or four years. So I didn't learn a lot new because I'm I'm in it every day as it is. Yeah, gotcha. And doing the interviews for the plus uh, version of the field guide. Uh, what were some of your favorite guests and, you know, what were some of the most surprising things you kind of learned from them? I was very picky about who we interviewed. So everybody here is really great. I mean, Nick Milo from Linking Your Thinking is kind of like the, one of the, you know, the leaders in Obsidian space, but we also had uh, Ryan Murphy on who's written multiple plugins and does amazing things with it. And, uh, one of the fun, well, fun ones was Lee Garrett, who came in. Lee is a relatively new Obsidian user, but he's super um, techie and very smart. And seeing somebody like starting from you know scratch with it, and he had interesting ideas that I hadn't heard of before because he's bringing his own distinct viewpoint to the application. Um, yeah, it's, they've all been good though. Honestly, it's, it's been really fun. We still have a, as I record this, I still have one more interview. That one's going to be with Mike Schmitz and a couple more of those sessions. Uh, I had originally promised on the sales page six sessions, but it's grown to 10 since then. <laughs> it's a good, good problem, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anything, uh, we didn't cover about Sabine that you'd like to be before we, we wrap it up. It is a very different animal. It's very powerful. And if you're curious about it, you should just give it a try and see what you think. You know, yeah, it's a, a free download, you know. Yeah, a free download. Uh, the the um, My introductory uh, free um, portion of the course is like 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it's a lot. So, I was watching it. It's like this yeah, is a So you could watch that and get yourself going, and um, uh, that would kind of get you going. You can see it, and I think you would know pretty soon if it's for you or not. And if it's not for you, that's fine. I think we all had to find the tools that work with us, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to add a discount, though, um, FOT, Friends of Tim. 
Excellent. Thank um, you. And that'll get you 10% off. So awesome. make sure to put that in if you decide to buy it. And uh, we'll put a link in. Awesome. Thank you, David. Um, where can people find uh, the field guide, Obsidian, and your other ones? And uh, what else? Every, everything for me is at maxsparky.com. If you want to go specifically to the field guides, go to learn.maxsparky.com. Awesome. Well, thank you. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Tim. Well, that is my discussion with David. My thanks to David for his time recording, and my thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in. Make sure to check out the Obsidian Field Guide and to use the promo code FOT to get 10% off. I'll link directly to that in the show notes and episode description of this podcast. And finally, my thanks again to Agenda for sponsoring this episode. Learn more at www.agenda.com and download the app today for free from the App Store to get started. With that, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.